If you'd like to, you can turn to 2 Samuel chapter 10. We will get there eventually uh, after a, a little bit of a, an on-ramp to 2 Samuel chapter 10. But I've entitled the devotional today, Praying in Uncertain Times. Praying in Uncertain Times. And one thing is certain, we live in uncertain times, don't we? Um, many of us uh, daily pour out our heart to God about uncertainty, maybe in our homes. Um, many people are concerned about uncertainty in their, their jobs and in their employment. Of course, there's uncertainty uh, many times that is somewhat of an undercurrent or um, a major factor in different church ministries and organizations as well as in many relationships that we have in life. We are uncertain to some degree. Um, we pray regularly for many on our call and uh, loved ones that have health uncertainties. And we think of the instability maybe in your own particular country. I know we experience that here often. Uh, around times of uh, maybe transition and leadership and government, as well as on the world scene. Uh, so often we pray for things that we wonder, how will it all turn out? Uh, before I talk about that issue of uncertainty, I want to remind you today that there is something that is certain and fixed. And that is, of course, God. And he is a faithful God. I won't ask you to turn to these. If you'd like to write these down, uh, I will repeat the reference once or twice. But just listen to these words of Scripture that remind us that God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called under the fellowship of the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful, and therefore we have fellowship with him. 1 Corinthians 1.9, Deuteronomy 7.9, know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth, keepeth uh, covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Uh, so one of the things we are to know about God is he is a faithful God and he is faithful forever. Faithful is he who has called you, who also will do it. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. So God is not only faithful in the promise, but he's faithful in the performance of those promises. <clears throat> and you know, he is faithful even when we are not faithful. His faithfulness is not contingent on our faithfulness. 2 Timothy 2, 13. If we believe not, or some translations say, if we are faithless, uh, yet uh, he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. So his faithfulness is inherent in his character. So because of all of God, these things and God being faithful, let us hold fast. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. So God's faithfulness fuels our faithfulness. You know, there are many definitions that we could give of faithfulness, some more theological and, and uh, more maybe precise, I guess you might say. But a very simple one is God is true to his word. 
God is true to his word. And in uncertain times, we can rest in that certain, fixed, unchangeable truth. I think we need to remember this, as one writer says, as we live in a dystopic swirl of disappointment, disease, disaster, and disarray, where we are subject to futility and cruelty and war and financial crisis and suffering and grief and depression and dark nights of the soul and and death. All of these, uh, at the same time, we are battling with the sinful desires of our flesh and of our eyes and the pride of life that's dwelling within us. So it's not surprising that at any particular time, we can become disoriented uh, and we life can become distorted if we forget and take our eyes off of the faithfulness of God. I want to look at a particular prayer in an uncertain time today, showing how God is faithful, and that's in 2 Samuel 10. And in 2 Samuel 10, the backstory, which I'm not going to take much time to describe, is uh, that of David attempting to show covenant loyalty, attempting to show hesed or kindness uh, to uh, a, another king, um, uh, the son of which um, had just lost his father, the king. So he's trying to show kindness and comfort a, a grieving son. He had apparently made some sort of uh, connection with uh, his father, and he thought, well, I want to show kindness to his son. That was totally misinterpreted by the son who, uh, who actually mistreated, based on the advice of his counselors, uh, grossly mistreated and humiliated the envoys that David sent his way. And eventually that situation escalated into a, a conflict and into a, a military showdown. Um, David dispatched his general, Joab, and Joab's brother, and uh, they began to head toward that city. As they began to uh, array themselves for a battle, they discovered that uh, there were some allies of this king who had come from behind and had basically boxed them in. So whether they would move forward or move backward, uh, there was going to be a battle. Joab and Abishai consult and devise a plan by which they say, if they attack us from the front, you come to help me. If they attack from the rear, you come and help me, Joab says. And then, almost as a rallying cry, in verse 12 of 2 Samuel 10, we hear Joab, who is a very unlikely theologian, if you know anything about Joab, um, he was quite a, a rascal, we might say. He was uh, actually a killer, we might say. He was a trained warrior. And he said, be of good courage and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God and the Lord do that which seemeth him good. There's a lot to unpack in that verse. Uh, be of good courage, reminiscent of, of, of uh, God's words to Joshua. And play the men for our people and for the cities of our God, um, which was echoed by uh, 
Ridley and Latimer, as they went to the stake and burned at the stake uh, for their faith uh, and proclamation of the gospel in England many, many centuries later. But then he says, and the Lord do that which seemeth him good. The Lord doeth to him or do that which seemeth him good. Joab did not know how this battle was going to go. David had received a promise from the Lord that God would destroy all of his enemies, but uh, that was not that they were going to necessarily win every single battle every single time. So Joab's in this predicament where he says, I'm going to do what I know I can do with the help of the Lord. And then there is this uncertainty. I do not know what the Lord will do, but the Lord will do what seems good to him. I think that is a wonderful model of how to pray in times of uncertainty. Um, And it's backed up by many other illustrations in scripture. For example, in the book of Esther, when Esther is talking with her, um, with, with Mordecai, and Mordecai beseeches her to go before the king, and she's hesitant and uh, he, he, he talks with her some more, and he says, who knows, but that God has raised you to this position for such a time as this. Uh, Mordecai was not absolutely certain what God would do, but he knew that God would deliver the people. But he did not know whether he would do it through Esther or someone else. But he said, the Lord will do what's good. Or, of course, Job, who said, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. And it's easy for us to know how the story ended. But when Job said that, he had not certainty yet what would happen. And then, of course, the three Hebrew young men who faced the fiery furnace, who said, we will not bow the knee, O king, and uh, we, we will go to our deaths if necessary. But we know that God himself is able to deliver us. They did not know for certain that God would. Uh, But they said, uh, we will commit ourselves to God, knowing that he could do that. And uh, that time of uncertainty, they said, the Lord will do what is good. I normally don't like to quote an extended portion uh, from someone else, but I think that uh, John Calvin here has a a very good word for us uh, based on uh, or from Psalm, uh, from um, 2 Samuel 12, 10, 12, and I just close with this. Calvin says, God does not give particular promises about every situation to his children. You know, of course, we have general promises about God's mercy and grace, and we rest in those truths. For example, in Hebrews 13, 5, God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Um, that doesn't mean we don't know how it's going to turn out with someone else who might leave us or forsake us, but we know that God will not do so. Or Romans 8, where it talks about nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Or the book of Habakkuk is another illustration of uncertainty. Uh, but he says, um, though everything goes wrong, yet I will trust in my God. But Calvin says, nevertheless, we must remain in suspense about many things. For instance, when we ask God for our daily bread, it is not that we are sure that assured that he will send us a good harvest or a great vintage. We should leave that in his hands and patiently await what pleases him. When we have any illness, we must rest assured that he has not forgotten us and that we have such access to him that in the end, we will feel that he has looked on us in pity. 
the promises of God should be sufficient in regard to that. However, when we would like to have the word that today or tomorrow he will restore our health, we don't know. We are in doubt of living or dying. Again, Joab did not know whether God would like to humble him for a time or if he'd like him to be defeated by his enemies, to lose instead of winning. He could not be certain about what would happen, but he had no special promise regarding this. And then Calvin says, we see therefore that Job's uncert- or Joab's uncertainty was not lack of faith. For we can doubt, although we embrace the promises of God and hold them as absolutely certain and infallible. What we doubt are the things that are not clear to us. That is how he wants us to remain in suspense about many things and to leave it all to a secret counsel and providence. It's very possible there's someone on this call today that's become disoriented because of a storm in life that they're facing. I just want to encourage you and to encourage all of us to keep our eyes on Jesus, who is called faithful and true. To rest in the spirit, who is called the spirit of truth. And to remember that our God is able to do exactly and everything that he has promised. So though we may not be able to trust a particular promise about a particular outcome, we can trust that God will always do what seemeth good to him, not only for his good, but for ours as well. Amen.